Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Williamsville Wire, your home for WHS Sports. I'm Seth Coons. Today I am with Coach Steve Dennis, the new head coach of the WHS Lady Bullet softball team. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on. A uh, little short notice. I ended up texting you yesterday, getting everything finalized, but we're glad that you were able to make it. Oh, no problem. Glad to be here, and uh, I'm missing my hour of sleep, that's for sure. Yeah, that spring forward is uh, never too kind to anybody. But, uh, you know, it does bring you one hour closer to your opening game of the season, or what is supposed to be your opening game of the season on Monday. You are supposed to take on Pawnee at 430 the only issue is there's still a little bit of snow on the ground. How are the field conditions out at Jane Grebner Field? Um, we were out there yesterday afternoon after practice, and I can tell you the infield's a little mushy. Uh, as you said, the field is still covered in snow and the grass. So um, today will tell a lot with the warmer weather today to see how things, uh, you know, how the sun will help it, the wind will help it, and then hopefully tomorrow we can drag it and be ready to go for 4:30 game. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited for uh, you guys to take the field this season as uh, you're actually going to have some live broadcasts with me and uh, Nellie Weller will be my color commentator. So looking forward to that. Yeah, looking forward to uh, having you out there, Seth, and doing some live uh, coverage of our team. I think it's always exciting for the players to, um, you know, just have some, you know, feedback back to the audience out there. So they'll be excited. So uh, I just wanted to talk about you real quick. Uh, first, we're going to start off, you know, you were a parent of a player in this program, uh, Danielle Dennis. Of course, she hit the home run to send the girls team to state, I believe, back 2018, 2017, that school year. So what has it kind of been like, your progression uh, through this Williamsville Lady Bullets softball program? Um, yeah, I mean, watching her come through, I th they won a state title when they were in junior high and then finishing third in 2018 and being a parent following it through and also being a competitive coach on the outside. Um, I've done that for over probably about a dozen years now and coached a lot of the players in the Williamsville Bullets program. Um, I can tell you from the outside, from other competitive teams throughout the state of Illinois, uh, the Bullets program is always a very respected program. It has a, a, a rich tradition of winning a lot of softball games. Um, so just from a parent standpoint, you're, you're proud that your daughter is a part of that type of tradition. So um, it's, it, it's a privilege to put on the, the jersey. And I know when Coach Ashbaugh handed out the jerseys the other day for us, um, just to go through that was pretty emotional for the girls and for the coaches. Just kind of keeping on this topic of you eventually getting this job, what made the Williamsville Lady Bullets softball coaching position uh, so attractive to you? Well, I mean, it is, it, like I said, the, the tradition is a very successful program. Uh, quite honestly, I was probably one year out of softball here, uh, took a little time off, have a uh, newborn at the house, a 10-month-year-old. Um, this was probably the only program, high school program, that was going to pull me out of retirement at this time. Um, so it was, I mean, it was a great honor. Uh, as soon as the position became open, um, I kind of waited to see what direction the school wanted to go. And it was just, it was a good match for both sides. You know, also coming into this job, uh, there were definitely some challenges because you come in here. Coach Ashbaugh, she stepped down, and a couple of her assistant coaches also stepped down. So what was that process like, not just you coming on, but kind of getting uh, your assistant coaches together and just kind of getting this coaching staff together before the start of the season? 
Um, honestly, it was a very, uh, I would say, hectic situation. It, it was not easy. Uh, finally getting a chance to meet just a couple of the players in January. Uh, in an ideal situation, I think it would have been nicer to come in, you know, say in the summer months or the fall months. Uh, but to be one month away from open gyms and two away from a practice, it, it was very difficult. And I didn't know any of the players. Uh, I know a couple of the names, but I don't know, you know, what they can do on the field. Uh, so that, that was challenging. And then trying to find a coaching staff, that was challenging. You know, a staff that would believe in what you like to preach on and off the field. So it, it was extremely difficult. So, you know, kind of coming into this year, you touch on the uh, player situation. You you weren't very familiar with them. Uh, you have six total upperclassmen on the roster. Uh, so how important is it for you to get the leadership from them right from the get-go? Uh, it's huge. Um, and I think the story when we did the, uh, the, the college signing day with the players is the story I gave was I actually called up the three seniors. I got their numbers, called them up, said we're going to meet at Starbucks. And I typically like to look for leaders, whether they're a freshman or an upperclassman. I look for the person that fits that role. And in this situation, based on the time frame, I just I, I basically told the three I've heard good things about them, and I'm asking them to step to the plate. So um, we wasted no time in trying to get the wheels in motion to have a successful season. Coming into this season, uh, you talk about the players being uh, upperclassmen or freshmen. Do, do you see any, uh, you know, maybe freshmen, sophomores that could take on a bigger leadership role, kind of ease them into that as the season goes on? Uh, absolutely. Um, I have a very, uh, the freshmen and sophomore on this team are very athletic. They're very um, driven. Um, they like to succeed on the field. Uh, so definitely I have a, a group of freshmen and sophomores that will step up to the plate and be leaders for this team this year and for the future as well. So to start off the season, of course, we talked about it. You have Pawnee on the schedule for uh, the 14th, that being tomorrow. And then you have Orgento Oriana on the 16th, and then you run out the week with SHG on the 18th. And all of those are home games. So how nice is it in your first season to be able to start off your career with three home games? Uh, I think it's, uh, it, it's pretty awesome. And in fact, I think we might have... Uh, I heard at practice the other day we might actually have five straight home games to start the season. Um, I, I have a feeling just from us trying to learn how everything's done that uh, a normal bus might leave at you know 2:45 that my bus might have to leave at 1:45 so we know what the heck we're doing on day one when we travel. So definitely uh, nice to be at home, especially when in a game like softball you play so many games you can be traveling around. It's it'll be nice for you to kind of have that opportunity to ease into it before you really start hitting the road. So keeping on the schedule, what are a couple games that uh, these Lady Bullets softball fans should circle? Um, I mean, the conference games are always big. I know when um, my daughter played, uh, Moreau was always a big game. Uh, so they're a very talented group, coached very well. Uh, so Moreau definitely, Athens is another uh, program that has had a lot of success lately. And uh, will present challenge for a lot of teams in the conference. And then there's always the Tri-City game, um, which is coached by Brad Sturdy, and I've known Brad probably for 10 years now. And whether their teams on a, or whether their squad is very talented that year or they're on a down year, he always has them prepared to play, and he does an excellent job. How important is it that you schedule a tougher schedule throughout the course of the season so that you're fully prepared when you 
reach regional and uh, sectional play in the postseason? Uh, it's, it's, it's extremely huge. Um, I can tell you, if you play the teams um, that aren't going to push you, it's not going to pay off in the end for you. Um, like I said, I know the teams that, you know, my daughter and some of the other girls I coach, they, they always played 3A and 4A schools. And while you may lose those games, it actually challenged you and made you a better ball club. Uh, in fact, I think there's a Washington Cobra Classic that's always been on the bullet schedule. Uh, the one year we went to state, they were actually one and three that year. So that just gives you an idea how challenging that schedule can be. Um, so this group here, this will push them as well. So there's no uh, soft schedules that Williamsville likes to push out there. Um, so the harder it is, I think it just makes them better ball players. Yeah, I definitely want to see uh, some of the better players so that you, you kind of know how to deal not just with the uh, skill level of the other team's athletes, but also a little bit of uh, adversity throughout the course of the season. Coach, I'm going to finish off this interview. What is one thing that you feel that this team is doing really well right from the jump, and what's something that you feel that this team could improve on? Um, I would say chemistry has been excellent. So I know a lot of the players coming in were very nervous um, as to a change. So Coach Ashbaugh was here for seven years. So definitely the first day or two of practice and even prior to that, there was a, you know, a lot of talk of the change and how is it going to be received by the players and, and different issues like that. But I can tell you after two weeks of practice, things have been running phenomenal. Uh, the chemistry has been excellent. Um, and I'm very proud of the group. I think they've done an excellent job of bonding, and I think that's going to um, you know, help us throughout the season. Uh, what can we work on? I mean, there's always things to work on on the field. I tell them every day to be humble, even if you're successful. Stay humble. There's always more work to improve your game. Um, so if you think you're on top of the pyramid today, it's, it's really easy to get knocked off. So we're just going to keep pushing on and trying to make ourselves better ball players and better uh, people uh, throughout the season. Well, Coach, we are certainly looking forward to seeing your team take the field. As a reminder, they are scheduled to take the field on Monday, March 14th at 4.30 p.m. as they will open their season against the Pawnee Indians. Nellie Weller and I will have that call. Uh, thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now we are going to move into our second interview portion of the day. I am joined by Dylan Hembro and Gavin Heglin, two members of the WHS Scholastic Bowl team uh, who won their sectional yesterday and punched their ticket to state. So congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, before we get started, I've always got to ask, how's everyone doing today? Doing fine. Yeah, doing pretty good. Coming off that win, um, our blood pressure is down a little bit now. You know what, let's, let's start off by talking about that win yesterday uh, because you guys beat Plains in your first match and then you go on and you get, have a come-from-behind victory against the Riverton Hawks. So, Gavin, uh, what was that like for you guys? Um, it was pretty much, uh, I guess the best way to describe it would just be having confidence in ourselves because uh, even when we were down, Mr. Trippy would come over and he would tell us to have confidence and to just believe in ourselves for it because we knew that we could beat them because we had done it in the past and we had enough confidence in our abilities as a team. Now, Dylan, you were very complimentary earlier of the Riverton Hawks uh, Scholastic Bowl program over there. So would you say that there was a bigger sense of nerves uh, being down like that, especially to a uh, team that you have a lot of respect for? I don't know if I would call it nerves, but... Because, like, whatever happened, 
if they won, we would have supported them through all the way through state. But if we won, they even said right after the match, hey, go in state for us. So, you know, there's a lot of respect there. Yeah, whatever happened, you know, we would have been okay with it. But it was it was a little bit nerve-wracking, yeah, at, at the beginning. Not, not many people uh, really know the landscape of a Scholastic Bowl. So could you go on ahead and describe what kind of match was played yesterday in sectionals? So there were 24 toss-ups in our match with Riverton. And the sectional tournament had something called set distribution. So there were going to be like, let's say, four questions about social studies or history, four questions about literature, four questions about math, etc. So if you're really good at some certain subjects, like I'm history, geography, and religion, Gavin's myth, and some lit, if those didn't come up in the first half, then you could bank on them coming up in the second half. So when the first half didn't really go our way... Um, I mean, Gavin, you saw me. I, I switched out captain with Gage because I was like, Gage, I need to get out of the seat for a second. And like you said, Trimpy came over and he was really supportive of, of us. And actually, we didn't even have to like outright win to win the sectional. I'll, I'll explain that later if you'd like. But you could bank by halftime that if the questions that you weren't good at or that you might not be able to answer didn't come up in the first half, they would probably come up in the second half and probably around toss-up 18 or 19, we started to get lucky. So uh, you said that you didn't have to win outright to win the sectional. Uh, what do you mean by that? How does that point system really work there? So if Riverton had beat us in match three, there would have been what's called a circle of death where Three teams all won two matches and lost one. That would have been us, Riverton, and Plains. So what they would have done then is gone by points gotten in each match against teams in that circle of death. So anyone's matches against Triopia wouldn't have counted. Plains beat Riverton by quite a bit, I thought. Uh, it was like 70, 80, something like that. Yeah. So Plains beat Riverton. So that was their loss. And if they would beaten us, they would have been 2-1. and one. So... What would have happened then, they would have added up the points from those rounds, and we could have been like 90 or 100 points down from Riverton and still won the sectional. So by the end of our game, Trimpy came up to us and he was like, hey, it's not about winning, it's about getting as many points on the board as you can. Was it nice to kind of have that uh, sense of security that all this work, all of these uh, different wins, and we're really going to pay off in that moment? Yeah, I'd say absolutely, because then we... It definitely took a good amount of the pressure off of our shoulders, knowing that we didn't have to win, but we did just have to make a blitz for points. So going into your uh, state championship rounds, uh, where exactly is that held? That'll be at, in a, it's in Bloomington. Um, it's at a college. Heartland Community College. Yeah, that's right. So what will state look like for you guys? Do you guys know? Uh, I know the team went there a couple of years ago. Were either of you a part of that? Did you get to see it? Uh, kind of feel the process? I was played up to varsity at the end of my freshman year, so I did go and participate with the team. That was when we had Nathan Clack, who, as we'd like to say, he was cracked at Scholastic Bowl. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I did get to experience that. I watched our, like, we were so close to winning by, what was it, 10 points, I think. Um, but it was a really fun experience, and with it having been canceled the last two years because of COVID, I'm honest, I'm happy that we got to state. Yeah, it's going to be nice for you guys uh, to experience that. 
Uh, Gavin, this next question over to you. He kind of mentioned that a couple years ago when the team advanced to state, uh, Nathan Clack would have been a senior that year. It got canceled. You know, they didn't get to finish off that run. Do you think that there's a sense that you guys really want to do it for those guys that did not get to experience a state a couple years ago? I'd say absolutely. And it's not just for us. It's for everybody that comes before us and after us because... If we have a good run at state, then we are kind of setting the precedent for everybody else that that is the expectation and that is what we should strive to be every year. So, Gavin, you kind of talk about this history and especially the future. Um, this Scholastic Bowl team, it feels like they're establishing themselves a little bit more every year. They're getting a good history. They're getting a really good tradition. What has it been like to kind of be parts of that building block towards a really strong program? It's been very, very good. I've seen so many great players come through here and absolutely uh, come into their own and become uh, great players, actually nailing down so many parts of their subjects. Like uh, Gage previously had not done a lot of science. He was usually just kind of miscellaneous social studies type stuff, but now he's He's taking so much of the science part of the team because we didn't have some of the players that we had last year that did actually cover a lot of science. And he's doing a pretty good job covering fine arts, too. That Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's really made a showing for himself this last year. Especially because we have, in previous years, fine arts has been one of our shortcomings as far as the team. And Gage recognized that and took fine arts under his own wing. So you guys kind of talk about everybody having their own subject that they really have to nail down. Now, are those assigned, or is that something that you just kind of go through and figure out as the season goes on? I would say individually we all kind of realize where the shortcomings come up, and we all just kind of figure out where we best fit. Like, I always enjoyed literature, and I always enjoyed mythology, so those were the two things that I tend to gravitate towards. Dylan was always very big in history and geography, and Gage was, he was naturally good at science, but he didn't really get, get into it a ton until last year. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely impressive uh, that you guys are able to know so much about a subject, and then, you know, it's, it's also got to be really nice to know that maybe if you don't know the most about this, that you have a really good sense that somebody's going to be able to come in and pick that up for you. Um... Moving on deeper into this interview, Scholastic Bowl, they go to two separate states. One, of course, is the IHSA state. Uh, that's the one that you guys just won the sectional for. Uh, but there's also the Masonic state. Dylan, would you describe what the Masonic state is and how it differs from IHSA? So the Masonic classification, IHSA has 1A and 2A. We're 1A. Um, we were 2A in Masonic state. So... There were schools at Masonic that we played that we wouldn't otherwise play in um, in IHSA rules, like Hersher. Um, so it's it's a lot more strict. There are a lot more rules, like even uniform rules. If everyone's not wearing the same color undershirt, you can get docked 30 points, moderator leniency being a factor in that. But And that did happen, I believe, at sectionals. I wasn't at sectionals, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh. Another big difference between Masonic State and IHSA State is just the formatting because with IHSA, you have a toss-up followed by a bonus as long as somebody gets the toss-up. With Masonic, 
you have six toss-ups followed by eight bonuses, followed by six toss-ups, followed by eight bonuses, followed by four toss-ups, which is a very strange way of doing it, but it does uh, allow for a lot of come-from-behind matches, which we definitely had when we were at Masonic State because there were some teams there that were very, very close to us. Yeah, and that formatting is specifically designed to keep the matches closer, more neck-and-neck, so at the very least it's more entertaining. But they do also give out cash prizes, which is one of the reasons they're a lot more strict on things. Mm -hmm. Uh, You talk about kind of the classifications uh, being different, 1A in IHSA, 2A in Masonic. So would you say that you're seeing maybe a little bit better brand of competition at Masonic? Um, I'd call them tougher just by nature of them being larger schools. Um, Because like 1A in IHSA I think is 500 and below Mm -hmm. per high school. So we're we're sitting at 450 or whatever, um, but in two way we had to play some other schools like I said that we wouldn't have played at IHSA, and it definitely made the field a lot harder and more competitive, which is why we didn't win. But um, there there were some good teams there for sure. Gavin, how important do you think that uh, the level of competition you saw at Masonic uh, will be to you guys going forward in the IHSA? Uh, state tournament uh you know it's been a couple of years since anyone's gone to state so all those success multipliers are gone you've got some of the uh private schools they're dropping back down into 1a do you think that the competition at masonic can help prepare you for what you're gonna see in state uh, i'd say absolutely because being able to uh, recognize that some teams have stronger players and have uh, a larger knowledge base than us is definitely something that we need to be able to recognize and be able to do it's definitely good for us to have seen better teams and played against teams that could beat us that way we can be prepared for it and know how to shift strategies or shift players as needed all right guys uh just kind of as we start to close out this interview i'd like for each of you to kind of tell everyone about your history in the whs uh wjhs scholastic bowl programs and how they've kind of prepared you Uh, for the trip to state. Dylan, we'll start over with you. All right, so I started uh, the first year I could in seventh grade, so this is my sixth year in Scholastic Bowl. I personally don't remember a whole lot from seventh grade, but eighth grade I feel like is when I started to really kind of come into my own, and um, I was captain that year too, I believe. Uh, There was one thing that I remember from eighth grade. Adam Clack, he, I mean, Nathan was his older brother, so he took a lot from high school scholastic bowl and tried to implement that into the junior high program, like specializing in certain subjects. So I remember he got a paper with a bunch of different subjects typed out and he was like, put your names down by whatever you want to study and we'll get, we'll get on that. So he would have been invaluable to the team, but that I think really helped us kind of set the foundation for what we would be studying going into high school, what we would be specializing in. And then in high school, I think Aiden was our cl- our captain during freshman year because he was a sophomore. Um, we experienced a lot of good success, especially with uh, Nathan and writing off the coattails of Mitch McCuller, who had just graduated. Um, they're both very good players. And sophomore year, we had a lot of momentum going up into state. Obviously, COVID happened between sectionals and state, so we walked away with the sectional title, and then state got canceled. And... 
that was disheartening for a lot of us. Uh, Gavin, what has your experience been uh, through the years of this Scholastic Wool program? So, unlike Dylan, I started in 8th grade because 7th grade I didn't really think of myself as the smart kid, but as junior high went on, I realized that that was different, and I was definitely able to compete with some of the smarter people in our grade. And like Dylan said, 8th grade was very uh, player-led, and that was one of the things that uh, got me into Scholastic Bowl being <clears throat> being part of a team that was mostly led by players and not by coaches, which is a very big part of Scholastic Bowl. Going into high school, that uh, player-led aspect continued to evolve, and everybody kind of came into their own and started to show us as freshmen what we should expect to do and what we can uh, expect to become. Because, like Dylan said, there was a lot of hype going into their state win when COVID happened, or going into state when COVID happened. And not being able to do that was definitely disheartening for a lot of us. So definitely having the chance for, uh, I guess you would call it retribution or... Redemption. Redemption, that's the word I was looking for, is definitely... A good thing for us. We'd like to thank uh, Dylan Hembro and Gavin Hegland for sitting in with us today. Uh, they start their state push Friday, March 18th. Not just for the future of the program, but for also the past. Uh, good luck, guys. Thank, thank you. you very much. Well, guys, I think that is going to do it for today's episode of the Williams Wire podcast, your home for WHS Sports. I say today's episode because we're going to get Kyle Hubner and Nathan Simcoe in here later this week, and we're going to bring you guys a second episode where we're going to break down kind of the girls' and boys' basketball team seasons. Uh, those just finished up. We've got a couple of good notes on them. And, uh, you know, we're going to take some time, look at the baseball team and the softball team. So a lot of good stuff coming this way. If you want a little bit more of the Williamsville Wire and don't want to wait for the next episode, me and Nellie Weller, we have the call of tomorrow's softball game against Pawnee. That game starts at 4.30. We'll look to go on at about 4.15. Thanks for tuning in.